What is happening, my peeps? Welcome to Freestyle Friday. That's the name I landed on. Sticking with it. Change my mind if you want. It's where we break down Marching Order Monday and One Minute Wednesday all at once. And I just freestyle about whatever I want because it's my podcast and I can. Suck it up, peeps. I hope you had an amazing week. We got St. Patty's Day today. It's been a great week of March Madness. My bracket's already gone, which is not news whatsoever. My wife picked Utah State. Um, God bless her. She goes with her gut or uniform colors, and it's just not looking good. But Lisa Marie, keep hanging in there, babe. I love when you go all in. She got second place last year, so pretty proud. Let's talk about Marching Order Monday. Using your own bags or boxes or whatever. Basically not using whatever bag comes from the grocery store, gas station, or supermarket that you frequent. <clears throat> so I did this on Sunday. I took my own bag and I also borrowed or took a box from the store, which means they don't have to recycle it. I do. What ended up happening was that it quickly became a cat castle for my cats. And Rollo, our dog, got to chase around the cats. They go in the cat castle. Hours of fun. A side benefit that maybe you didn't know about. So save your money at PetSmart. Just go get boxes from the store. If we did that every week, think about the plastic that we save. I went into Hy-Vee Drugstore to get Trulies for my wife and some other things, and I forgot a bag. I didn't even take my own advice. And so I thought to myself, I can't be a hypocrite. I got to suck it up. So I actually carried out three or four groceries and two 12-packs of Truly to the car because I had forgotten. So that's what you call eating your own dog food and being in it to win it, folks. I hope you did the same. Carry this on. Just keep a bag with you. If you just used one less plastic bag each week, that's 52 bags a year. You can do the math. I'm not a math major by any means if you spent more than two minutes with me. All right, changing it up just a little bit. We're going to go to one minute Wednesday in the topic was that I have never been bored a day in my life because I'm curious. The best cure for boredom is curiosity because curiosity has no cure. It's a famous quote. And growing up, I thought there was something wrong with me. But then again, I had a very curious family where we always had our BS antennas up. If you're a Midwesterner, say, that's interesting. That's our way of saying I don't believe you, but I'm too humble and nice to really dive in further right now. However, when we're not in your presence, we are absolutely investigating the living crap out of what you just said. I'll give you two stories. One's on accountability and one's just a fun story. The first one on how curiosity leads to accountability has to do with the Watergate scandal. Now, you might think that, you know, given today's press and today's media climate, that there was some huge agenda by the press to prove that Nixon was a criminal and that he had all this planned. But that's not it. Woodward and Bernstein were, were and are great, amazing journalists. And this is when journalists had journalistic integrity, and there's a lot that still do. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater on this. Woodward, early in his career, read a blurb that five men from Florida had broken into the DNC, to the Democratic National Committee headquarters. 
And he thought, well, that's interesting. That's kind of off. I'm going to go to trial. I'm going to go to court and just see who they are, right? No other agenda beyond that. Shows up at court, starts talking to the five men, and he let the conversations lead to his conclusion. He didn't have a pre-written agenda saying, I'm going to nail Nixon. How can I reverse engineer the facts? He just showed up in court, started talking to the, the five men who had broken in, and then he started connecting dots. Okay, you have you have these sequential notes, right? These bills. You have some pretty high-profile people in your address books, right? These are all things that the FBI uncovered. Knowles Woodward did was report, and then, of course, there's famous Deep Throat, right, who he had as his source and kept that anonymous for 33 years. Amazing journalistic integrity. The point is this. He let his curiosity lead to the story. He didn't have his story and then reverse engineered the facts as we see very common in the press today or what passes for a press. But the press is there to hold public officials accountable. And Woodward's curiosity led to holding Nixon and his administration accountable for their actions. You can't do these things in a free world and you need to hold them accountable. So be curious. You don't know where it's going to lead you. I'll tell you this, it leads to a lot of dead ends in your preconceived notions when, when, when you're going into it. Sometimes it doesn't end the way that you think and you have to be okay with that. That's where you have to let your pride go to the side and say, I was wrong. It was nothing. Because sometimes it is nothing. But other times, it's a Watergate scandal. The other fun story was going to my good friend Joe Ranfeld's bachelor party. And about eight of us guys were going to Lake Michigan in Kenosha, Wisconsin to salmon fish for two days straight. Yes, you can only imagine what that looks like. No wives around to tell us we have to pick up. It was a complete disaster and we loved every minute of it, right? Beer drinking, being idiots, uh, give me tacos, tell me I'm pretty. That's the shirt that we bought for Joe, who we just danced up. We kind of accidentally ran into a, a single de Mayo party. That's not the story. On our way up, we're going salmon fishing in Lake Michigan. And I asked the guys, how did salmon get in Lake Michigan? They said, oh, they've always been there. And I thought to myself, hang on, once again, that BS antenna was going crazy. Salmon usually have a life in the ocean and then they come back to the streams to spawn and then they die off, right? They start their life in a stream or a creek or a river. They go out to ocean for three years, eat all the food that they can, and then they come back in. Lake Michigan, I don't know if you're looking at a map or no geography, but it's nowhere near an ocean. It's literally in the middle of the country in Canada and all the Great Lakes are. So I said, hang on, let me check this out. So I did a quick Google search. Why are there salmon in Lake Michigan? And back in the 20s and 30s, there was an alewife. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. I used to call them lamprey, which is the wrong fish. But alewife breakout in the Great Lakes, an invasive species, just like carp or hogs in the south, an invasive species had gotten into the Great Lakes. And so the DNR of the states, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, and some others, got together and said, let's bring in salmon. If we introduce salmon, that's a natural predator for the alewife. They'll go, they'll eat all the alewife up, and then when they go to spawn in three years, they'll die off. 
great plan. Awesome plan. Except they forgot that people really like to eat salmon. So once people found out there was salmon, an, a billion dollar industry a year was born, right? Because now you have salmon, you have salmon fishing, you have morons like us going on bachelor parties catching these salmon, right? And lake trout as well, but mainly salmon in Lake Michigan. And a billion dollar industry was born. And now the DNR has to stock salmon each and every year because there's no ocean for them to go out and there's no rivers for them to spawn. So they do naturally die off. The alewife population has largely been curbed, which is good. Now they have lamprey, so I don't know if they're going to bring in sharks or something else for it. And that's a correction I do want to make. I had, I've been saying lamprey, but it's actually alewives for this story. I'll get it right in the future. But curiosity led to that answer. Don't just accept things the way they are, right? Why are there hogs in the Southwest? Well, because the, the Spanish brought them over and there's no natural predator. Just like there's no natural predator for frogs in Australia, for carp in the, the rivers of, of North America. All these invasive species, God put them in a place for a reason. And carp aren't supposed to be here. Wild hogs aren't supposed to be here. Salmon aren't supposed to be in Lake Michigan. But every once in a while, we have a little bit of alchemy here to nature, and we change the landscape. So keep being curious. Don't accept things for the way they are. And if you end up to be wrong on your original attention, admit it. I'm a married man. I can admit when I'm wrong. Thank you for tuning in. If you could drop a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening, it means the world to me. And I want to thank my good friend, Stephen Shepard, for the podcast, The Natural Curiosity Project. I listened to it. I tune in. We had a great conversation on Monday, and my curiosity bucket is just overflowing. I'm now reading his novel, Inca Gold Spanish Blood, which is based not, I don't even want to say based on true events. They're all true events that happened at some point in his life. The names, people, situations have changed. Thank you, Stephen, for piquing my curiosity each and every week. And I hope that it instills something in my listeners as well. Have a great weekend. I hope your brackets aren't busted. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Top of the morning to you.